you too, Connor and Bonnie. You're looking wonderful and great. Great to have you here. Alright. We made sure we've done that. Make sure no one's left out. It'd be horrible to someone think, oh, they didn't say how wonderful I look. That's, that'd be horrible. Cool. Cool. Great to have you here. Cool. Alright. Um, as you know... I don't know how the reports got out, but I heard that um, people know about Dingo taking my Scotch finger biscuit. Is that right? Dave was telling me this, this morning. I met a Dingo up there, mate of mine, and um, I don't know how, but out of my uh, tackle box, he was able to pull out a whole packet of Scotch finger biscuits. Now, in my household, there's somebody else, there's somebody else, there's somebody who likes my Scotch Finger Biscuits too, and Isaac thought it was hilarious that somebody else would, this dingo, take my Scotch Finger Biscuits as he takes them. But that wasn't the only problem with this uh, dingo that I, I, I came across. At one point, he decided that um, the waders that I was using, that I was wearing, were a pretty good tasty meal as well, and so um, he decided to... Um, nip my waders, I wasn't in them, fortunately, um, and uh, tear my waders apart, I wasn't in those, and my tackle bag, my, um, my fish bag as well. So I really got to know one of these dingo mates um, pretty well. They were quite everywhere on the island, actually, this time. We saw them present in different places and whatever else. But nevertheless... Um, it was a good time uh, away, and when I say uh, a good time, I really appreciate uh, the church releasing me to be able to, to do this, because while there, were, there are moments of, of, of fishing and opportunities for other pastors to share and so on, there's a real opportunity for us. You can use your time however you want, but for me, I find it incredibly valuable to be able to just sit aside, spend time with God, read a book. Um, and reflect on this year and the coming year and, and so on. Uh, and so thanks for allowing us to do that. One of the books I was able to, to read while I was away, and I've, I've started it a, a couple of times but haven't quite got into it, was the uh, Enneagram. Has anybody, the Christian perspective of the Enneagram, has anybody read on the Enneagram? I know a couple have here. Anybody else picked up on it? Yep. Yeah, Brendan's picked up on it. Um, it's, quite, it's a bit of a personality thing of, you know, where this is who you are type, type thing. And Chris loves personality tests, don't you, Chris? And, um, uh, but in this, um, the authors are trying to reflect upon um, a redeeming nature and a, I'll just say, a non-redeeming nature, all right? A, a flesh-like nature. And so depending upon any moment within your, your day, your life, um, there might be something where the Spirit of God is... Um, has been at work and there's been a transformation and so you're more likely to have a tendency to see the presence of God at work and there are other times when we push away from that hmm? All right, it's not just this is me and this is my, my box but there's a, a, a variation within it and one of the aspects of it all is really to be aware of um, the fact that there's something even within my own strengths or my own redeeming nature or I'll just say strengths, that sometimes there's an underlying darkness 
What I mean by that is that sometimes our strengths can hide our inadequacies or our darkness. And it's really illuminating when you think about it that um, it has the potential, this type of work, to reveal to me where the movement of God might be tapping me on the shoulder and asking me to consider these insecurities or these dark areas in my life. I don't know about you, but I find that quite daunting. When we think about it, you know, the abundant life, and thinking about that God might be, by the movement of his spirit in the transforming process, moving us into places where there doesn't seem to be much abundance, God. It's difficult for me to face the fact that I might be insecure. Or I might be struggling with sin in my life that for some reason it's there in order to um, um, fill something that I'm really struggling with. And it's interesting because we've been on this journey for a while and, and certainly next year we'll be really, really taking much more shape in our church's life. But looking at what does it mean to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus particularly if he talks about a life abundant. And really, as I reflect upon that, I see a life abundant happening when I'm released from things that are holding onto me. There's an abundance in that. Keep talking about it, don't we? Um, or don't I, you know, can't go over, can't go under, but go through. And that I do not want to have to do in my life. It's hard. It's difficult. It's ugly. It hurts. There's pain involved. But Jesus says, come follow me and you will have life abundant. And he takes us through those things. And it's not easy. You need to hold on to some of the truths of Jesus in those moments, don't we? You see, I want the best of both worlds. I don't know about you, but I want character, but not suffering. I want patience, but I don't want to have to wait for it. I want kindness, but please don't bring difficult people into my life. I want to be able to hear God's voice, but I don't want to have to sacrifice getting up early in the morning for it. I want the life of Jesus, but I don't want the cross. The best of both worlds. And throughout the scriptures, Jesus comes across people who are working through this same thing. And the challenge is there. In Luke 14, 25 and following, large crowds, and this is picking up on a couple of weeks ago and continuing on in it. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, 
wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be disciple. Could be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my apprentice, cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not, and for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this, is the per- this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation with the other while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Not easy stuff. And I don't know about what happens, what goes on within you, because I know that the life, the transforming life, is really about a process, stepping out. It's not like we're going to have it all sorted all together all at once and da-da-da-da, here I am, the little angel of Jesus. But there's this pitch that Jesus brings into every situation that there is a level of cost or what we term as self-denial. Self-denial. mentioned a couple of weeks ago that a problem is being willing to pay the price. It's not about being a disciple of Jesus versus atheism or apprentice of Jesus and, and atheism. It's that apprenticeship, apprenticeship or discipleship with Jesus versus vague, non-committal, consumeristic faith. I want the best of both worlds. Thank you. I want to form God and theology around my life and what's good for me and how I see it. We struggle with the idea of kingship. We prefer democracy to allow, Lord, you have your will in your way in my life. And I know that there are going to be times, Lord, that I'm going to struggle with it, but deep down I deny self and I follow you. This is not about today, about guilt trips. It's about just the challenging and the working and allowing yourself to come even right now before the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I can sing the songs, have your way in me. What is it that we need to talk about? And I'm going to struggle with it, Lord, because I've built up these things in my life to, to protect me, to make me feel right. And I've put you in this 
box and and some days it's great God you're really good and but and even in those moments when I can tell you and pray for you pray for things that I I need or or, or want but the transforming process can you just do that gently please and and I'll just keep you in this way and and that'll be be fine it's hard I think there's a lot within Catholicism that we miss because you've ended up throwing the baby out with the bathwater in many ways, haven't we? We want it to be the Protestant church. We don't want Catholicism, thank you very much, and all those things from, from, from the past. So we've thrown out all the tradition and a lot of things and said, thank you, no, 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 this is the way that God is for me. And one of the things that they... I'm not saying that they've got it all right. I don't think any denomination movement has, has, has got it perfectly right. But one of the things they do pick up on quite a lot is faith and works. And they say that salvation is found within both. Hmm. And we know I am saved by grace alone. But here Jesus also is talking about, come follow me. Be a disciple of mine, but there will be a cost. We see that as a classic example in the story of the rich young ruler. Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give up, give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And all these things, he said, I've kept since I was a boy. He's a pretty good dude. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Not most of the things, or whatever, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Don't bring it with you, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. Be a disciple of Christ. Be one of my apprentices. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Because they believed a little bit in the prosperity doctrine. We like that idea, God blessing me, that whole word, blessed, I'm blessed because I've got this and I've got that and life's easy and God loves me and everything's sweet and I've sorted God out in my box, thank you so much. We forget the Beatitudes at times, don't we? Blessed are those who hurt, hunger and thirst. Blessed are the poor and so on. Peter said, we've left everything. We've left all we, we had and have, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife, brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, self-denial, will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age 
to come eternal life. Pricky stuff. I just love in um, Luke 14, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, you know, we always think that it's about getting more and more and more and, and, and so on and building our empires or churches or whatever. Jesus has this ability, hey, to just turn things around. Because right in verse 25, he says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and you think that that would be pretty good, pretty cool. I get this large following, you know, there are a few people want to protect me and whatever. Large crowds were following Jesus and so turning to them, he said, hey guys, before you keep trekking along with me, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even those of his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Thank you very much, Jesus. I'm heading back this way to home. Thank you. And so we have this struggle. Self-denial. And as part of, as a follower of Jesus, we're encouraged to consider what this might look like in our lives. I'm so glad that when Jesus asked the rich young ruler that I wasn't in the audience or he asked the rich young ruler rather than me, what does that look like in our lives? Seriously, if God was to say, if Jesus was to say, this is what I want you to do, I want you to sell everything. Your super, your house, all those things, the lot, and come follow me. Oh, Lord, can I just go take care of my father and mother and make sure I see them into safe retirement and so on. And then in a few years' time, I'll come follow you. Just let me know where you are. Give us a call, a text message or something or other and come along. And so self-denial as a discipline, and I struggle with it just as much as many of us, um, is about this slow understanding, slow development, this understanding of being able to say, um, Lord, have your way in me. Because it's easy to say, I will come and follow you. But there is a cost. And it's not something that we've got to immediately get sorted out. And perhaps there'll be an ongoing cost in one way or another. I've got to find time. You know, one of the struggles I had, um, and still do a little bit, and I'm even talking to the Lord about this. Fortunately, I've got good people in my life who help me to see the uh, light. But who likes board games? Good, just four or five hands. The rest of us, we don't like board games, do we? No, why? Why don't we like board games? Because they take so long, don't they? And you go, Huh? And that's why they're called board. Sorry for those people who love board games. 
growing up, every now and then it still happens too, my kids would want to play a board game, you know? And I was so glad when Danielle was at home. Because Danielle would go, oh, yeah, absolutely, pull it out. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Monopoly? I mean, does that ever end? Is that really possible? You know? And she'd, and she'd play, do you want to play, Dad? Oh, guys, oh, you know, oh, how many little symbols to play? Oh, there aren't enough for me. Hmm? You get that? I mean, there's quite a few of you actually who are nodding your head or giggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's a classic example of um, not realising that in, design, in denying myself the right to sit in front of the, the telly or do whatever I'm going to do because it feels good or whatever, is to actually deny my own need for gratification or whatever else and be engaged, call it self-denial, call it giving something up, my own, own space, to do something with other people that really, at the end of the day, I don't know how it works or what happens, but there's a shift and all of a sudden there's conversation or there's discussion or there's you robbed me, you owe me from that rent on that property or Monopoly or whatever, and there's laughter and there's stuff. And by the end of the game, which is probably in a month's time, I don't know, you know, you go, wow, I don't know, somehow or other, I'm connected with you. I'm exhausted, but I'm connected with you. And this is what I think God is inviting us into. So you picked up on it a couple of day, a couple of weeks ago, um, the pearl of great price, of recognizing that what God offers us in self-denial, or in practicing the disciplines, which we're going to be moving into in much greater depth in the in the, in the coming year, there's something that shifts and changes without me even knowing. As God invites me into inconvenience. And I discover something shifting. Don't know how it happened because I still hate board games. But there's something that has taken place that I wasn't aware of could even be possible in a board game. Do you know what I'm saying? Self-denial shifts and moves and before we know it, there's transformation. Kingship is not something we rally to anymore. We prefer democracy. I've mentioned that. You see, sometimes I think while we understand, well, the prosperity doctrine is a bad thing and, well, we should never, ever go there and that's just, no, no, no. We do capture something of it within our lives at times. And we need to be mindful of it, careful of it. I struggle with, um, and I haven't read too many of them, but I've come across them. People who write books and everything's sweet and dandy and they fly around the world and they, you know, life's just great and they have the perfect kids and everything. And let me tell you about Jesus in a way, you know, it's just, you know, this is it. Read these books. I think sometimes hidden under our services is the belief that God would not ask the Western world or ourselves to deny ourselves 
take up the cross, and Luke talks about it daily, and follow me. There's so much joy, or there can be so much joy in it, the aspect of generosity. Actually choose, Lord, I want to develop this ability, this discipline within my life to be your apprentice in it where I'm going to be generous and to see what takes place. The best of both worlds, we want it. We want to be generous and yet wealthy. We want to follow Jesus and live comfortably. Just repeating this. We want humility, but we don't want humiliation. We want character, but not suffering. Patience, but we don't want to wait. We want kindness, but not difficult people. We want to hear God's voice, but not sacrifice what it might mean to be able to hear God's voice. And it's just about convicting myself and allowing the Holy Spirit and ourselves, convicting you, Holy Spirit, what is it within me that's next, perhaps? Because the life that you do promise is abundant. Abundant not necessarily in wealth and so on, but abundant in being set free within my life. To be engaged with God. And so perhaps this morning a prayer for you might be, Jesus, is there something that needs to die in order for me to live better? Jesus reminds us in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The promises of what God offers us are immense, but the world seems to shout it down and say, hey, hey, you don't want to go there. That's not great. It's gonna, you're going to have to explore some of the darker, deeper depths of your life and soul, and that might not be such a great idea. Freedom in Christ. Jesus says, come follow me. And let's look at some of those areas. I want to finish with, with, with this. Um, came across this quote from St. Ignatius. Sin is the unwillingness to trust that what God wants is, a, is our deepest happiness. Until, in other words, I'm absolutely convinced of this, I will do everything I can do to keep my hands on the controls of my life because I think I know more than God to achieve my fulfillment. Do you think God has good intentions towards you? Let's pray. Team, if you want to come on up. Father God, we come before you and in our struggles... 
our heart, mind, our heart certainly says, yes, Lord, have your way in me. Use me, direct me. I'm following you. And our mind yet can find ourselves struggling with where you might take us, where God might take you. It's almost like if you know the story of the Hebrews in Egypt and then into the desert wilderness, it's looking back over our shoulder and thinking, God, it might have been safer and easier, more comfortable back there, even though I was chained. And so, Lord, help us to embrace the promised land of Jesus. To walk in those dark and difficult times in those moments of self-denial, of whatever it might be, however the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and mind this morning as you're here. Lord, help me to choose you, to choose life. Because I'm a little bit afraid, and yet I desire what you want for me. Move in the midst of us this morning, Holy Spirit. And if God is, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, then make sure you find somebody here that you feel comfortable enough to be able to share what's going on and just to receive a moment of ministry of prayer. No, really important. The Spirit of God speaks to us in moments and say, hey, let's do something now about this. Let's capture this moment. Let's do something here and now. Let's get the ball rolling. Not tomorrow because you might forget it, not in a week's time or when you get around to it or when I come back from a holiday or whatever, but now. Let's just begin to rattle that cage and see what God can do. And so, Lord, pray for myself and for all of us in this. Lead us into the way. Lead us because you have life life abundant and somehow or other the way in which we see that the world has pushed in on and said yeah don't know about that help us to see it for what it truly truly is to be set free by the renewing of our mind and by the power of Jesus at work in us and through us for we pray in Jesus name Amen let's stand together and sing um